podcast. Welcome, y'all. It's Conversations number 20. This is our podcast where we essentially dive in deep. Um, the idea that, you know, we all have labels or the things that we're known by, um, the things that classify us, that put us in types. But um, I think at the end of the day, the point here in, in Conversations is to really just uncover on a human level and a human experience what we all live um, and what we all experience, uh, whether and due to the experience of, of those things that we are, right? The things that we work, the things that we do, the things that we care about, our culture, our background, our experience, um, and still come back to see that we're uh, tied together in some way in, in the human experience. And so... Um, Today's episode was one that we recorded a few weeks ago um, with one of my best friends in the world, my brother, Omar, and Mr. Gabriel. And um, I met Gabriel because Omar is a dentist at a clinic in Colorado, and Gabriel was his patient. And as soon as Omar uh, met Gabriel, he called me after when he got home and was like, you have to... You have to we you have to connect with Gabriel. Um, his story is just awesome, and uh, we talked we talked for a couple hours while he was in the chair, and uh, I just knew right away you should connect. And so what I knew about Gabriel and just uh, prior was that he was a veteran. Um, and just had a fascinating story. So. Uh, and then I had to, I got to have a call with Gabriel kind of prior to the podcast when we connected the three of us and we all kind of came in from different areas. And, um, yeah, I felt, I felt at least, you know, just in my connection and connecting with Gabriel that there was, um, this space in his heart that really wanted to speak and to be heard. And yeah, I'm 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 really thankful that we had the space with Omar and Omar had the idea to to think about this is to just kind of have that space and and learn more about who Gabriel was, what his experience was and just let that breathe and um to have us to be able to support that. So, yeah. I mean, I think it, this is all self-explanatory. It's a very human experience. So, um please just sit back, take it all in, enjoy the episode. Take care of yourselves, y'all. Much love. Peace. Maybe uh, we'll start first with Omar. Omar, do you want to? Do you want to? You want to share how how yeah. you and uh, Sir Gabriel met? You want to yeah. chop it up? Yeah. Well, I think uh, <laughs> this is fun. This is super fun. So first off, thanks for doing this, Ray and Gabriel, and uh, you know, happy MLK Day. And um, I think uh, maybe a good way to start is kind of how. Gabriel, you and I met, or it's interesting because uh, when I look back, it's like I actually, um, when we first met, or I kind of heard or felt kind of like your energy and your personality before I even actually met you. Um, so I thought maybe we could start there. First, first conversation, conversation, phone. Not even the first conversation. It was before I even actually like saw you face to face. I kind of heard you were blasting music in in one of the rooms, right? And I was like, oh, okay, so this must be the next, uh, you know, um, our next client here. And uh, I felt like I got a good glimpse of 
a lot about you without even actually meeting wow. you just because I forgot. I, I don't know if you were playing. Do you remember what song you were playing on your phone? Oh. Oh. All right. Okay. Oh, it's <laughs> get him back. He was, he's a, he's, uh, he was a little bit laggy, but as long as we have his, yeah, as long as we have the phone audio, that'll be perfect. Oh, we got you back. All right. This little pocket that I'm in, this little pocket that I'm in, uh, that having, yeah, I've ha I have a repeater. They had to come out and replace parts. So sometimes it will kick me off. So just beware. No worries. <laughs> oh, no worries. We'll work with it. Do you remember what you were playing when I first met you on your phone? I played a lot of songs that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not off the top of my head. No, I, I think it, it must. I think it was a Missy Elliott song, or it was either Missy Elliott or. Uh... It it was a Missy Elliott song. Yeah, Wait, it was a Missy Elliott song. And I was like, that was the first song I played. And I remember hearing that before I met you, and I was like, oh, this next. This next visit is going to be, you know, it's going to be something. So um, maybe uh, just to get started, you could talk about what music means to you um, and possibly let us uh, let us know about like um, maybe your first concert or first musical experience that really made an impact on you. Well, I don't know so much that it was um, a concert or music itself it was more the music teacher that made an impact on me her name was miss cordelia bennett and my husband has probably heard her name god knows how many times by now uh, because as a child she latched on to me because being raised by your grandparents you you learn you get a lot of wisdom dumped on you very quickly and sometimes all at once and you're having to decipher all of this information that you're getting, but not really understanding that they are generations ahead of you at the time. So I was a wild child as a kid. I will not admit that. I was a bit of a wild child. Uh, so when I got to elementary, she comes around the corner and she's like, you need to get to class. So I left and I went to class. I got into trouble at school and anytime I got into trouble they didn't send me to the principal they sent me to her because I didn't know that at some point her and my grandmother had conversation and she was given permission to discipline me at school hmm. didn't know any of this so leaving elementary school and being in her music class because that was one of the classes we had to take I thought I was done with her and she I get to middle school area of what's called middle school here, junior high, thinking I got rid of this lady and she's now my teacher again. <laughs> and the same thing happened through high school, but I was very good in music. In fact, she taught me how to play uh, the piano. And she made sure that I stayed the course, that my homework was done, that everything I needed to get to, I got to. 
she was just one of those teachers that if you got in trouble, it was like right before you got ready to do something to get in trouble, she would show up. Almost mm -hmm. like the devil angel, but it's only the angel that's sitting there, you know? And I'm like, man. So, even after high school, I thought I, I was done with her. In fact, I was so happy that I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Got ready to go have a good time, and she goes, well, um, Mr. Bailey, you, you, you have a... a engagement at this university to go to for the music program. Did it just go out again? I think it did. It did, just for a little bit. Yeah. You were saying you had an engagement at university? So, um, I was like, I'm not going to that. It's after graduation. I mean, I got things I'm going to do. You know, I said, then after this, I'm going right down and I'm going to sign up for the military because you know what? I'm tired of everybody telling me what I need to do in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this myself. I've graduated. I'm done. I'm in. I've got my college stuff done. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm where I want to be. Leave me alone. Get to the house and my grandmother tells me to get ready because I need to make sure that I'm up the following morning. And I went in to this rehearsal and lo and behold the first person I meet walking through the door of this recital for music is Miss Cordelia Bennett and even teaching the piano she always talked about the variations of music and music theory and all these different things and just seeing that passion in her and mending it to what helped me get through for me was not a real good childhood from my mother and my relation, but more my grandmother and my relation. And a lot of things that my grandmother said to me and Miss Cordelia Bennett did for me was almost like as if they were acting as mothers. So it was like if you, it takes a community, it takes community to raise a child. And in essence, that's kind of what they did for me. So that's what branded me to music, is I had a love for music, period, even as a kid. I sung all the time, all the time. And just that passion, and now it's become a part of me the way, if you take that away, I, yeah. It's like a person not having a cigarette or an addict not having a fix mm -hmm. when it comes to music for me. That's how I get if I cannot have some form of music. Mm -hmm. Has music always been, um, has it been something to like process, something to cope? Has it been healing? What are all the ways, is it, is it medicine for you? How do you classify it in your life? It's medicine. It's medicine in a lot of different things. It's brought me through Desert Storm <laughs> when the only thing you had to listen to was that headset of music. Uh, getting you through all the processes and the death that you see, the 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 what the results of war, what war does, mm. it helps me get through it. Um, sometimes I I still have night terrors about certain things, mm -hmm. but it does help you get through those things. Music 
is something that can change your mood. Mm -hmm. If you, I mean, music, in music there's healing, in music there's life, in music there's sadness, in music there's hope, in music there's raw power and motivation. There's so many aspects to music. It's a lot of people only look at it for one type or one umbrella of music. But one thing Miss Cordelia Bennett taught me was how to love and appreciate the, the genres that you really love and cling to and that you really identify with, but then understand where the derivatives of that music came from and how it came to be and where the, it was and where we think it was and then learning to respect all the different spectrums of music. So in essence, she said the same thing to me that my grandmother said, but in a different way. But I applied this one thing my grandmother said to my whole life. Why walk into an ice cream parlor and not taste every flavor? Mm -hmm. How else are you going to know what you like or mm -hmm. what's out there in the world? Yeah, and, and speaking to that, or just one thing you said, do you mind if I ask you a little bit more in terms of, could you kind of um, share a little bit more about the, um, maybe maybe like a visual or like a, uh, what that scene, painting a scene of like what that looks like in your own experience of what it's like to have music during during Desert Storm, during that period, actually being in, you know on duty active in a time like that and, and the juxtaposition of having music and, and having medicine in such a, uh, such an intense time like that? If you know, I, I, the, the most modern song I could probably give that reference to where even a lot of the, uh, your younger listeners will understand mm -hmm. to paint that picture is John Legend sings the song Glory. And when you see people that are marching across the bridge, like in Selma, Alabama, mm -hmm. and you see the brutal attacks that are happening, you see children being forced um, to strap on bombs or to deliver an IDU or grandparents and parents and women being forced to take up an assault rifle. And if they don't, watching their family members being executed execution style, like those times we read about in medieval, time frames when gunpowder became a thing. To see that and have music at the end of the night when you're replaying this in your head, to give you a peace and a calm to steady your mind from racing because of all this that you see and then know that eventually on the other side of this, there has to be a process where people start to come together to rebuild. Mm -hmm. But you see both those aspects. You see the war, the raw anger of men that for some crazy reason, other than their own sometimes egos, refuse to come together and try and find and establish common ground for the peace of the Commonwealth people. You understand that in war, and it's funny that you brought that up because I just wrote a little section in my class for U.S. history 
uh, from the 1950s to 19, the 21st century about what John Kerry talked about with the Vietnam War and the fact that a lot of those people didn't want anybody there. All they wanted was peace. They didn't care who was in power. They just wanted peace. They wanted to get back to their everyday lives. So you see all of this. And if you could just imagine sometimes one of the worst smells you've ever had in your life and multiply that by about 20 times, that's what burning flesh smells like. Mm. Bloated bodies that have been gassed and dead where you have seen bulldozers dig mass grave sites like we're seeing now with COVID. It's insane. So in a lot of in a lot of ways, hearing all the calamity that's going on now in these times, going through what you went through, for someone like me as a veteran, it almost puts you back in that war mentality. And some a lot of us come back untreated or not able to acclimate back into society, which it becomes dangerous. Can, yeah, can you can you talk about um, what that experience has been like acclimating, acclimating and back into society, or what are some of, what are some of the things that you think? Tough, because let me tell you, the military is very blunt. <laughs> Sorry, the military is very blunt about doing things. We're very straightforward, and in the civilian world, it's almost like you're doing the the tango. Just to get a point across. And if you try to get that point across to people, they confuse it for anger or for you being pissy when you're just being blunt. Mm -hmm. Because in some instances, especially when it comes to your health, when it comes to the mental side of having to cope with being back and shifting mo when you've spent most of your life doing something into a completely different atmosphere with very little ways or understanding of how to navigate because you're not given that, it makes it difficult for you. It makes it difficult, um, but music in that sense has been that calming voice in the midst of that depression, that frustration, um, that worriness, that sense of loneliness, even though I have a husband. I mean, I have someone here with me, but it doesn't stop me from sometimes getting inside of my head or something on television that I see, like June 6th, that triggers certain things that you've seen before, but now it's on your home court. And it's more obvious than anything else. That's that's an interesting. Uh, do you have something, Omar? Uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was. I'm very interested in that interplay of, especially with society and the way that we're at with how we communicate in this day and age in communication. But what you were saying to like the idea of uh, in civilian society, the idea that we're not straight to the point, or that it's almost like a tango versus uh, the bluntness um, in the military. Can you kind of talk about? Yeah, where do you sit on the value of? Uh, being blunt and then the value uh, like the value of uh, 
kind of like getting to your point and and what is there once one that you subscribe to more? i think yes i try to get to my point if i can uh in a lot of senses in 10 words or less hmm. and especially when it's life or death situations it's always 10 words or less for me speak clear be articulate be straight to the point and let me know What's there? A lot of things that go unsaid that are implied causes a lot of problems because in the military, you are taught never to assume. Hmm. But in the civilian world, you'll have things said to you a lot of times that you have to read between the lines. And when you're asking the questions, they get angry because then they don't really want to give you the details. The whole point of it was to leave you to assumption to almost like a battle of control for words yeah. or play on emotion. You see that game in a military, it's not that. You're going to know where I stand with you, period, end of conversation. I get doing the tango when you're addressing issues with children, mm. when you're having to explain something that someone doesn't quite understand. Mm-hmm. For business and operation, people want to be heard, but by the same token, you have to get to the root issue first. So Mm -hmm. an example of that is me coming home and having to deal with my family during my mother's death. I didn't grow up with my mom. It was me taking in a lot of things that was being said to me, deciphering through information And then there were times where they would get upset with me because I'm like, okay, I don't need to hear all the the rigmarole. What I'm asking you right now is where you are and what's going on with you and what do I need to do to help you because all of you are somewhat shocked that it's happened and I can see it and nobody's doing anything and there's a woman lying in a bed in a hospital room that we need to get out to a corner have them do their assessment and over to the funeral home and then we need to look at how she's going to be buried period that is my mo- that's the mode I shifted into mm-hmm. at that point and it w- became a dance when I've worked in kitchens you have to look at leadership in different ways the kitchen was set up in brigade style It's a brigade style. You have a chef that's issuing orders. And he's talking back and forth with the different parts of the kitchen. Whether it's the dishwasher, whether it's the person on fryer, on the grill, on salads, the expo. He's talking back and forth to these people because there's a time frame to get food out. He's not there to play with you and skirt with you. He's there because it's business. And things have to run in order properly with good communication for things to function. I can shoot the breeze with you at any point in time. But when it comes to business and things that are important and things that we need to discuss, especially in conversations and in a relationship and building a relationship, there are times where I should be able to come to you and be just straight blunt with you. Mm -hmm. And not have to do the tango. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you. And 
in that sense where the time and the place and the and the and the who the audience that you're speaking to right um very much so yeah i guess my question yeah like i love that point and then i'm gonna i'm gonna dig i'm gonna dig a little bit deeper into your mindset <laughs> even more so on that is what about the idea when uh like just in a country divided where uh, in the concept of opposing viewpoints or the idea of, and I ask that because for me, the idea of like building compassion uh, amongst people that have differing point of views or like at least a perspective or like an understanding. I think that's something I'm always trying to. Well, again, it goes back to uh, what my grandmother said, why walk into an ice cream, Paul, and not taste every flavor. Mm-hmm. Why walk into a situation that you know is volatile and not try to effectively listen to the other side of what's being said? The only way you're going to come out of it with something, even if it's to agree to disagree, is unless first, an open line of communication is there. And when you have those things in order to hear what that person is saying, there comes there's a time frame where what you are dealing with is listening to the opposing side and objectively setting what you believe on the back burner. And a lot of people, it's hard for people to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Effective listening is, is a trait that the military, especially when it comes to intelligence, when it comes to your job, when it comes to things, we take very seriously. Because I only want to do it one time and I want to do it right. Mm-hmm. So, instead of us having to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And in order for that to happen, it has to be that exchange to where you have to sit back and let them explain it however they're going to explain it. And and feel what they're feeling and the emotion and the understanding behind it. And try to play devil's advocate against your own right here in the back while you're, and listening and not be sitting there trying to... If you're trying to form an answer as that person is talking, then you have no intent on going into this with an open mind to understand where they're coming from. The only time you can actually help people and reach people is you have to come to where they are and meet them there. Mm -hmm. Not where you think they should be, but where they are. And when you can get yourself to come to where they are and meet them and allow them and give them the chance to meet you there, then a more effective conversation can be had Mm -hmm. and the exchange of words at that point that tango is not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. But that tango is going to happen if you go into it with a closed mind. Yeah. And, and So that's how, even in war times, and getting people out, kids, children, adults, young adults, grannies, whomever, from an area, that's what had to be done. Mm-hmm. And it had to be done that way uh, because you had to meet them at their level. You had to build, in order to, to build a rapport, to even be able to have those talks and discussions, you got to lower this guard and be willing to say, okay, 
there's some things we need to talk about. Like it, lump it, or leave it. Any relationship is built that way. Mm-hmm. Whether it's your friendship, your 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 unity together, your family members, <laughs> from an older and younger generation, you have to meet them. Like you're not gonna immediately start talking to a baby about quantum physics. And that baby's going to sit there and look at you like, yeah, sure. But you're going to start explaining things to that child of what's good and what's not good for them, what they should do and they're not allowed to do as they're coming up in ways that they understand it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of how we had to gauge the people we came in contact with. Other than that, just being able to travel to 73 different countries taught me a lot. But more than anything, it taught me to appreciate the values that I have in the United States that are not afforded to people in a lot of other places. You mm-hmm. see people be gunned down for things. You see people get arrested for stuff that people get out on bail for $1,000 here. They're in prison for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Gabriel, how long were you in the Middle East? For a better part of about 15 years. Okay. Going back and forth between the Middle East and uh, Europe. Then, um, uh, what would you say, I mean, I know that you mentioned a little bit about some of the challenges kind of being back and some of the challenges in general for people who, um, you know, have completed military service. What would you say was helpful for you or um, what led to your success in kind of coming back and you know pushing forward and trying to uh, come back to like a normal life here in the states um, given all that you've been through and all that you know your your uh, your military family has has gone through taking in a lot of those at the time were parables to be that my grandmother would say like for me, I thought she would spoke to me in code. Like, this is this old wisdom from, what, where did you get this from? Ta- what tablets did this come off of? They had to be of stone, is what I thought of in my head. Because I'm like, this is some really... And my, they were all generations older than me. So as a child, I didn't understand this. So I had to mentally start to put my focus back on the positive aspects of what I remembered before I left. Immersing myself more in music, finding talents within myself that I knew I had or skill sets that I've developed, and trying to navigate a way to utilize those to the best of my ability to acclimate myself back. And the more active I was with people that were like-minded, the better I was, even if they weren't military. Mm -hmm. It's coming home, sitting down after being in a war zone, and they're telling you that, you know, stay home, take a a couple months off. You sit around that house for a couple months. We've done it during COVID. How did you feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was 
going you were going stir crazy. Imagine that mindset of what was happening, and you may have had people in the house with you. Imagine having no one there to come home to. Uh, in that sense, no spouse. Um, your grandmother had passed, your granddad had passed, and you find all of this out after you've been in an area and you're coming back and finding a lot of this stuff to be so. Um, and then you have to come back, and you're coming back immediately to the death of your mother, a person that you didn't really know, but believe it or not, whether you know her or not, it has an effect on you. And then you have the mindset of what you saw there. So you're coming, going from seeing death and destruction and rubble to coming home, seeing your whole family, as far as relatives are concerned, in disarray because of the death that's happening then. So it was like, boom. Just imagine being in that house in one room this whole year because of COVID and you not be able to leave that room. That's the mindset that a lot of troops are in when we come home. That's why it's very dangerous, I feel like, for us to be, to come home and do nothing. There has to be stuff for us to do. And I, the military really doesn't give you that I've seen, and maybe they've changed some, but from even a lot of the newbies that have gotten out already that I've been able to talk to since I've been in Colorado, it was pretty much a week of transition, and they were home. And these are boys from the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps that have moved here. Um, I have a, an acquaintance of mine that had a back surgery last the year before last that he got out and... His PTSD is no joke. I mean, mine, I still have night terrors. In fact, I have both my blood pressure medication, which being in war will give you high blood pressure too. But part of mine is hereditary. Uh, it also takes care of my night terrors. And some nights it works and some nights it doesn't. And it's just a constant replay of the things that you see. It's like being in a loop of bad dreams. So music is very common to get up and watch the news. I do it because my, grand, my granddad and my grandmother, they did it every morning. So that's one of those things that I try and hold. That's when I go through those and now it's just become more of a habit for me to do that. Because I'm finding that that kind of starts my day and have my coffee and set up things with my husband and figure out what we need to do throughout the course of the week or the month, keeping myself active, um, going to school to re-engage with things even though I'm here, going to the gym, that walk that's 15 minutes to the grocery store and coming home. Those are things and being able to have that music as I'm doing them, because I still, like anybody else, have anxieties, I've just learned how better to cope and deal with mine than a lot of other people.
Can I ask you? And they're not so as pronounced as most people. So. Um, I think it was a long answer, but just I wanted to paint the picture. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Can I ask you, uh, Gabriel, like with with these things that you still work through and process and um, deal with, what is the what is the place of joy, do you think, in your life? Is there a place for it or how does it live or how does one keep that a part of life? Joy is in my everyday life. Just waking up next to the person that I love is joy. Mm. Everyone, I think, has their own happiness. And one thing I understand and understood from my grandparents about marriage um, was when you join together, you're joining together in a pursuit of happiness for both of you. And that happiness can be defined by a multitude of things. But it's something that you two agree upon when you enter that type of commitment together. And then you move forward by an honest means necessary to get there. Hmm. And then understanding that, you know, both of you grow in your own ways. You understand your things in your own ways, but you're always developing your relationship, which... They were married for over 65 years. Mm-hmm. And I asked my grandmother one day, how in the world did you put up with this man for 65 years? Like, for real, 65 Oh, I can barely live with him now. And she said, she talked about that. And she said, that relationship, that understanding... Waking up knowing that that person is there and that they support you through everything. Having the disagreements but being able to come back together. Understanding the love between you two and how each other give love and how you receive it. So it's, it's, the, whole, it's the whole compromise of things through that that really, like, that's joy for me. Seeing him happy, I'm happy. Seeing my little grown lady, Opal, our cat, Calico, seeing her happy, I'm happy. Take Making sure that our hierarchy is taken care of. Three major things, my grandmother said, need to be at the top of your list regardless of what happens to you in your life. Then that's the three hierarchy, where your food is. <laughs> Make sure you have a place to lay your head. And make sure that you have the necessities of things that are important to you to pursue the happiness that you are look that that you want. And she said, in that is not letting other people define you. Because, honey, let me tell you, and I she I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to a lot of things, and I know that about myself. And I can be a very demanding person, even on myself. So if I demand things and a level of things of other people, I'm 50 times worse on me. And that's a precedent. I refuse to allow people to tell me who I am or define me by a stereotype or a category of things because I'm a multitude of things. 
as my husband puts it, I'm a renaissance man. Because I love a lot of different types of things. Food and music are on my top list, but food, then music. Yeah. But of course, on the top of those is my house, my husband, Opal, and then we're going to be getting the puppy. So he'll be on the top of that list too. <laughs> Love it. Um, kind of on the subject of family, what does, uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. What does, uh, I, I, hopefully I don't mispronounce it, but Oana? Ohana. Ohana. What, <laughs> What does Ohana mean to you? Family. Mm. Family. Family is... All right. <laughs> All right. He, he just was quick, um, from Lilo and Stitch. Family. Means no one and no one left behind. I mean, family, friends and family to me are one and the same. Acquaintances a whole different ballgame, but family and friends to me, friendships are one and the same to me. So, and my grandmother used to tell me, if you can count your fam, if you count your friends on more than one hand, you need to reevaluate some friendships, and you'll find you don't have that many friends. Your Facebook may be filled with a lot of people, but they that a lot of those people are not family. Family are people that will tell you the truth whether you want to hear it or not and then come back to you the next day and tell you that they care about you or know that you need to get somewhere or be angry with you and never stop doing for you because of the love that they have for you and how much that they've embraced you to, that they may not agree with you. But what they agree to is the family line. And a lot of times, that's not your blood. Uh, one of Tyler Perry's shows, he put it in an analogy in one of his plays where he put it in the form of a tree. Ohana to me, a lot are my roots. And what keeps the structure of who I am as a person or those people that have contributed to me being the trunk of that tree that I, I, I have become in this life. And that's what family is. Family are those people. Family are those people that you guys can agree to disagree. You may not agree and, and fall out from each other, but you're still going to come back to each other. To seek resolution and understanding, like you talked about, being able to navigate, to sit down. And sometimes that's when what I talked about in conversation is when the tango needs to happen. A whole lot less. But getting to know people, to know if you have commonalities with them is a very important aspect of learning the types of people that are going to be the roots or the branches of your tree. The only way branches fall off is a lot of time if the wind breaks them down, something has to happen for them to just fall down 
or be done. They don't just fall off, if you've noticed, from trees that have grown for thousands of hundreds of years. Had something or some type of an event has to happen. Think about it in life. You get into an argument with a friend and then you don't talk to him no more. Oh, we don't talk ever again. You just tore a branch of your tree off. Or they tore the branch of the tree off or cut it off. Or needed to be cut off because it was poisoning the rest of your tree. And then you have people, which I call acquaintances, they come and they go in and out of your life like leaves. The fall comes, the leaves turn brown, all the leaves are brown. <laughs> and then the spring comes and it's a whole new set of friends and people that you've come in contact with that you met. And some of those play an intricate part of your life. And that's how I start to assess family, the word ohana. If I enter into a friendship with you, we're agreeing that, hey, like it, lump it, or leave it, I want you to be as direct and honest with me. And I think we, I talked to uh, you, Omar, about that. And I said to you when I first met you, the more honest and direct you are with me, the better we go. Because I'm going to be very direct with you. So don't take it as me being rude or disrespectful because I'm not doing that by any means. I just, that exchange of information is important to me. And it, it's important to me because I need to know what I need to do to keep what you've already done great. <laughs> so with, you know, with the care that you've provided for both me and my husband, that we value. I mean, we look at things. When we embrace people, we embrace people uh, for family. So, my husband's shy. I'm not the shy one by any means. I will just, I'll tell you. But Omar, you've been, you've been a great help to both of us, so. And then just being able to make that connection with you, right, was because we had just talked about it in, in the office. And he was like, you, you haven't heard anything? I was like, podcast, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I've heard him, heard the terminology tossed, never really paid attention to it mm -hmm. until he brought it up to me. And that's what made me kind of dive into it a little bit more. And then I wanted to know more about it and the different aspects of it and how to get into it. Because like I told him, I feel like this head has a lot of different information and why I hold mm -hmm. all that knowledge and stuff here when that information can be put out to help somebody else be better or think about things from a different aspect or come together. That's one of the ideas that I have behind <laughs> uh, the name... Friends and family gather around the table. Mm -hmm. Because it allows us to be able to have those conversations uh, with each other about things good and bad. Agree, disagree. Yeah. Can, but can never you... walk away from that table assuming but understanding. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you about... Um... And the idea that you, how you were saying friends are family and that connection is, and how you've uh, 
maybe how, yeah, like when you and Omar met, kind of what, what were the indicators or what about Omar or what about your conversation or your connection uh, signaled or allowed you to know, hey, this is a, this is a trustworthy person or this is somebody that uh, I can connect with? I'm a, a very, I look at things for energies. My grandmother said to me, uh, people come into your life for a reason. And then later on it was reiterated by the same thing that I gave when I gave the analogy about Tyler Perry talking about the tree. She said people, but she said it in a different way to me. Um, people come in and out of your life for different reasons. They're there during that time frame to impart something to you or you to them in an exchange, or there's a lesson to be learned from that person. And you have to take advantage of it and walk into it with an open mind. And for me, when you are a positive energy person and you seek out things for the good in them, When that same energy is brought towards you, you feel it, you know. Mm -hmm. And then in the conversation that you engage in, that initial conversation sets off two things. You're verbally communicated and then the nonverbals of things and how you respond to each other within that exchange tells you a lot. Mm -hmm. You just have to be in tuned enough to yourself and understand and be present where you are at the time that you're there. And fully present to know. Because a lot of times in conversations you walk away from people and you're like, oh man, that was a cue. Yes, it was. And you missed it. And then it comes up again and you're like, I feel like this is because it is. You've just done a loop in life, buddy. And it's trying to see if you pick up on that same cue. Mm -hmm. But that was that immediate connection. And then knowing that this was a person that, one, I needed to trust because of what I needed his services for. for one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but not just that. When he brought, he took an interest in really who I was as a person. Mm. And mm. since I've been home from overseas, people don't really have a lot of that exchange. Mm. And immediately I picked that up from him. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, let me just see where this heads, what path this takes. And he took such an interest in even me bringing up to him what, because he asked, and I got into, and I just went like I'm doing right now, uh, in to talk to him about the basis of what, you know, my aspirations are, my in-game aspirations, mm -hmm. before I'll sit back and just be like, okay, at the end of the day, if I am gone from this world today, I've left a good mark and a good mark on people and hopefully 
changed one life for the better. That he brought up something that I didn't know about that was an avenue to get done something that I needed. And he didn't have to do that. And a lot of people that I've brought up this idea has never mentioned anything. They're just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm sure. He nurtured that idea for you. He, uh, he helped. He took that further and the, opened the door. The only people that have done that for me has been my husband, my grandmother, Miss Cordelia Bennett, and my two of my one of my good friends that from the military. So, also with this podcast, we it's based off of Silversations, which is a, basically like a connection okay. a card game that we've created. So what I want to do is I want right. to ask some between you and Omar. We'll we'll go back and forth. We'll go Omar, Gabriel, Omar, Gabriel, Omar, Gabriel. Um, All right. You'll get one question each. I want you to just try to uh, answer answer from instinct. Sure, give it a little thought, but don't overthink it and just go um, from okay. your instinct. And then we'll go. We'll just go for a couple minutes here. Okay. All right. Omar was like, "Okay, yep." Do you just want to go all Gabriel? Should we go all Gabriel or? No. All right. That way we'll give we'll give you two a break. But I'll, I'm gonna ask. I'll probably go through about twenty to twenty five questions. So you oh, all will go. get you all will get a good. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Omar, starting first. Ready? What's the most memorable thing you've eaten in the past two months? I oh, I just had In and Out in Colorado, good. and it just brought me In and Out. Beautiful, Gabriel. What's your favorite place that you've ever traveled to? Braham, uh, Barbados. Barbados. Omar, what is a recent podcast, music, movie, or show that you would want to recommend? Soul. Gabriel, what is an animal that encapsulates your spirit? <laughs> Black Panther. Mm. Omar, if you could be part of uh, the leadership of any organization, group, or team in the world, what would it be? Facebook. Redefine it. Mm. Gabriel, what is a game or activity that you used to love as a kid? Monopoly. Mm. Omar, what's one ingredient? Oh, I'll save that one for Gabriel. Uh, do you think that our virtual identities will be more important than our real selves in the future? Not more important, but maybe uh, outweigh. Mm. Okay. Gabriel, what's one ingredient that, or food that everyone should have in their kitchen? Basil. Mm. Mm. Very nice. Thought of pizza. You were thinking food. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking when you get that fresh basil on pizza, it's just game game changer. Oh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Omar, what is something you're currently learning about? Um Ohana. <laughs> yes. Gabriel, what <laughs> What does the audible manifestation of your childlike wonder or joy sound like? Wait, say that again. <laughs> what does the audible manifestation of your childlike wonder or joy sound like? That's what they sound like. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, very nice. <laughs> very nice. 
Omar, if you could have an unending supply of anything, what would it be? Mm, anything? Joy? Mm. Joy. Mm. Uh, Gabriel, what would the theme song and the soundtrack of your life be? I don't remember the name of the song. I know what it was. It's uh, I Am Here by uh, Fantasia. Mm -hmm. All right, last question for each of you. Omar, address Aaliyah, your daughter. Leave her a message right now. Anything you want to let her know? Oh, my God. Aaliyah, I'm so proud of you, and I love you, and this Keep doing your thing. Hmm. Gabriel, if you want to address Miss Cordelia Bennett, you have a message for her? I really appreciate you. Thank you for being the woman that you were, but the mother figure that I needed in a very crucial point in my life. Hmm. And if you all want to address each other, anything you want to say or share, having gone through this experience or holding space for each other? Oh man, this was uh, awesome and just I really appreciate, wow, it's, it's been an hour and a half already, That's time really flew by, but this was just uh, super cool to kind of connect again, hear more about you, Gabriel, and to kind of share this time and space, so uh, I definitely just appreciate uh, you, um, all that you bring and all that you've taught me in our kind of short uh, friendship together and um, yeah, so just thank you, and I'm looking forward to continuing to build on this. Uh, and I know me and Ray would like to uh, join in on a class that you could host for us. So we'll talk about that, um, kind of doing a, I know we mentioned doing a little cooking um, class in the future. So uh, since you came up on, on, on this with us, we'd love to kind of return the, return the um, opportunity and have you teach us uh, kind of that, that meal prep that you wanted to do. So, um, but yeah, thank you so much for doing this with us and just to, uh, appreciate you. It's, it's been, and I appreciate you. Thank you, one, for taking such good care of us, um, but for also introducing me to Ray and then both of you being giving me this opportunity just to kind of give some insight uh, as to who I am to kind of put out a snapshot of what life for me has been like um, both as a kid and now as an adult but even more so uh, as a veteran that has come back and it's still just trying to acclimate through life, but having someone there to build a good friendship with is probably the thing that I'm most grateful.